Welcome back in. It is hour number three of VSIN Bet Center on a Saturday night. Thanks so much for hanging out with us alongside Josh Towers. I'm Ben Wilson. A lot of baseball going on. That's been the, the crux of our show, as always, with the former big leaguer hanging out with us in our Circus Sports Studios off Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas. We also have some UFC we're going to talk about later on in the hour. Get to some futures in the National League and American League pennant odds now that we have about a month of a sample size to look at in the MLB season. But also, Josh, with the NBA playoffs coming quickly, play in tournament starts 10 days from today. And we are looking right now at a game that could potentially be the 9 versus 10 matchup in the Eastern Conference. That is Washington at Indiana. What was at stake tonight as well, Josh? Amazingly, we've had this conversation before with the Russell Westbrook triple-double watch. He would potentially, with a triple-double tonight, tie the big O. Oscar Robertson for the most triple-doubles in NBA history. You can debate the merits of the actual statistical implications of a triple-double, but just for actual our purposes, and, and we're a betting show, Josh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, avoid, we'll avoid that. Instead, we'll just tell you about the odds for those. It was minus 335 that he would record a triple-double coming into today, plus 240 that he would not, amazingly, which are even higher odds than we have seen uh, in the past. And at the half right now, the thing you really pointed out and, and we're looking at, Josh, were, were the, uh, the, the amounts of points here. And this was a total at either 249.5 or 250. First half total at 126. And at the half, how many points did we have, Josh? 125. Didn't get there. 63, 60. What? Was it a foul at the end, too? 62. I, 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 Might have been an animal one to get it up there. I'm not sure how the Wizards it did it. Ends up, it ends up getting just short. But And by the way, Westbrook, 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists so far. So he does look well on his way. This was a game where Washington got the money from 3.5 up to 4 with Malcolm Brogdon first questionable and then out. And then looking at a second-half line, though, uh, Josh, it is Wizards by 3 as a 1-point favorite. Second-half total... At uh, 122, so after first half that got 125, you're looking at a total of two, uh, I should say, 247 for the game. This was again rewrite at about pace 249 and a half or 250. Are you? Is there anything to be surprised about with what we see in the first half? Because to me, this has followed the script uh, to a T so far. Yeah, I, I think what I am surprised about, if you, I mean, again, 125, and the Pacers still shot 50 percent. And then the Wizards shooting 63 points actually shot 47%, which we was talking about pre-last game when they had that high-scoring game. They actually shot 61 and 51. So they brought it down considerably. And the crazy thing is, is yes, it went under first half, but they're still kind of on pace for this. I mean, I know the second half generally slower, um, kind of, but they're still kind of on pace. And the shooting overall, especially for Washington, has come down compared to last game. With that said... Uh, 4 of 12 from 3-point for the Wizards, and for the Pacers, 3 of 15. So that's 20%, and that's 33%. That's down, and they're still scoring this many points. So somewhere along the line of a lot of uncontested open jump shots and maybe some layups, and uh, no, I just don't want to get in the way of trying to stop it, I, I guess. And that's what we said pregame. I don't think hey, my no inclination has, has changed here. Again, these would be, if the playoffs started today, Indiana mm-hmm. would have the 9-seed, Washington would have the 10. It would be very interesting to see what the actual line would be with these teams at full strength. As we mentioned, no Brogdon tonight. So DeMontis Sabonis leading the way. 17.7 boards and 6 assists for Indiana. One other game at the half right now. Philadelphia as a big favorite all over Detroit despite resting Ben Simmons tonight. 56-43 at the half, laying either a half point or one for the second half. Uh, not too much of a surprise here. Again, Sixers close to locking up the number one seed in the East. 
with a three-game lead on both Brooklyn and Milwaukee right now. And Joel Embiid playing only six of seven from the field, uh, Josh. 18 points in this one to lead the way. We did see Jeremy Grant added into the starting lineup. He was questionable coming in. Uh, nine points for Grant uh, so far here. Yeah, you're not seeing much from Detroit either. Uh, Remember, tank tankathon, lots a lot at stake if they can keep losing. Isn't it amazing though, like how we've kind of you've, you've kind of almost proved it with NBA teams how they do tank, but again for individual players, you're still playing for again who you are, pride, contracts, all kinds of things. So for players that tank, it's such a weird thing for my brain to process, but. Um, Detroit, 46%. Okay, but they're also 3 for 15 from 3, shooting 20%. 4 of 7 from the free throw line, so they're not getting there, uh, and they're not making them at the clip that they need to. The one thing for the 76ers on the downside to their 56 points at half is luckily Detroit doesn't care, and they're not playing defense, uh, and they're 7 of 28 on the road, but 1 of 11 from 3-point range. That's not very good. We're missing that one. You're missing it. And, and this was a game that uh, some money did come onto the Detroit side from 10.5 for Philadelphia down to the 9 on the closing number with 218.5 your closing total. So uh, as of right now, you look at it so far, and only 99 first-half points. The under is on pace. You see that reflected if you're watching with us at vcin.com. The, the second-half total set at uh, 106.5, which if I use my handy calculator app on my laptop, that shows 205.5. There Overall, at least on our, our Vegas books, a, a touch higher Danny, uh, on, on the East Coast. Danny Green, he's having a rough one today. We've seen that before out of Danny Green. Yeah, he's that, over that is... <laughs> 6, 0 for 4 from threes. Uh, you'll get one of those. You'll get those type, types two boards, of performances two out of him every, every so yeah, often. Yeah, so that's got to be tough to go over 6, 0 for 4 in 15 minutes. There have also been some very rough outings on the MLB slate tonight for some teams getting absolutely pounded uh, right now, let's get you updated on, on some of these okay. teams we have not mentioned yet so far in our show. As we look at the card right now, Josh, eight games in progress. Let's let's go to a couple who are entering the late innings to see if there's any in-game opportunities. Milwaukee trying to snap its six-game losing streak, but had the had the advantage today of going up against a spot starter in Daniel Castano, who was just announced a few hours before game time. Thanks to an Adrian Hauser homer, the starting pitcher for Milwaukee. They have a 5-1 lead, also a two-run bomb. For Avi Garcia, currently a huge favorite, minus 1,800. So no real point in, uh, in playing that in-game. Live total, though, of 8.5. A little juice to the over at minus 130 with six runs having been scored going into the bottom of the sixth. Brewers were minus 120 on the first five. And and it, we talked about this earlier. A little surprising they weren't getting more money for the game, minus 117 with that pregame total of a 7.5. Just given mm-hmm. that you know, a good team but banged up. Were you surprised at that, at laying only that much? I know they'd lost six straight, but you figured it would have to end sometime, right? I was. Um, yeah, again, not a fan of jumping on teams when they're when they're in that streak like the mm-hmm. Brewers. But this one, you know, as you and I discussed, uh, Hauser's been good uh, offensively for the Brewers. That They have not, but ERA, whip, everything on the pitching side has been really good. Top 10 around the board, and, you know, Hauser has – given, I think, that I think I said three or less in all of his starts, and then he contributes with another home run today as well. So he's been good. And then, again, you, you put Castano on the mound, nothing against him, um, but understanding how perfect we have to be consistently, that's fine. So I can't add walks on top of hits if I'm not striking anybody out. And he does do that at times. Uh, and so what, what happens is, is you're giving a Brewers team who has not been hitting very good, a guy who they know is not going to strike him out, which is comfortable, because I'm not getting blown away or, or having to start my swing early, which we've seen the Brewers 
struggle through. So you put them uh, against somebody where they can be a little bit more comfortable, and then Kostana was on the plate too much or a little bit wild, which is he's got to challenge them more. So there's an offset. So the, the Brewers were in a, a good spot coming into this game. I understand if you don't want to jump on them because on the road and they lost six in a row, but this was a good spot for them, and it, it's showing as of now, and obviously Hauser's having a good game. It, it does help, and they will also have to yeah. face the one of the couple aces for Miami tomorrow. Is the Marlins have had some fantastic output from their their starting uh, rotation as well. They'll get the hard throwing Sandy Alcantara tomorrow. So this was the spot Milwaukee really felt like they had uh, to win. As far as uh, your boy, couple, by the way, real quick, cut you off, yeah. Hauser, uh, eighty-one pitches in the sixth inning with yeah. one out, but his sinker is really good. The pitch he just threw the Rojas nowhere near the plate when it finished. But it just shows you how much it moved, and he's you know he's throwing that ninety-four mile sinker. Yeah, sub in on three and a half ERA it's now. Beautiful, very yeah. I, I've liked Hauser. Just he's not gotten the not gotten a ton of luck and support behind him so far. A lot of balls in play, and uh you know a, a bat up that you would expect to uh you know two eighty-one. So it's it's well, been about average. But again, he hasn't been the luckiest pitcher well, uh, out there. And you're you're from Milwaukee, so it's different, but. They don't get a lot of pub nationally on television, ESPN. We don't see them on Sunday Night Baseball that often. You're going to need Yelich in the game for that. Uh, and so for for us around the country and, and Canada, for really to, to get to know who Hauser is, you kind of got to be diehard baseball fans and look into everything because he's not going to get the love that he probably should get. And then you've seen how long it took uh, Woodruff. To get his love, right, and what's same going with on, Corbin with Burns, and the same thing with Corbin. So uh, those guys are putting up unworldly numbers, and we're finally starting to get to know their names. So you know, he's kind of gone under the radar for a little bit, especially this season. With the sinker baller you mentioned, the key ground 94. ball rate, and he's he's been just about sixty percent on the ground ball rate this year, which is where you want to be at league average, about forty five percent, and he. Uh, he struggled with that. A lot of a lot of hard hit balls uh, last year. He really struggled a season ago. One in six, uh, five thirty ERA. It's got to be fun pitching after those two as well. Oh yeah, I exactly. You get a look at our NL Central standings. One of those teams as well on that page. The Cincinnati Reds, fourth in the division. And we talked earlier how we felt like all right. The underlying numbers suggest Luis Castillo, the positive regression. It's got to happen sometime, Josh. It's got to come soon. Well, not tonight. Four earned. Six overall runs in four innings in Cleveland, trying to follow up Wade Miley's no-hitter last night. And it is not going well for the India, uh, for the Reds in Cleveland. Aaron Savali and the Indians with a, a coasting right now. Now 8-1 lead in the bottom of the sixth. This game just went over the total thanks to a couple runs scored off uh, the, the bullpen of Cincinnati. This was a total of eight. Indians minus 120 on the line. And you were telling us yeah. earlier, Josh, you were a little surprised given the obvious bounce-back spot off the no-hitter and the, the combination of that and Castillo's struggles that this was not a higher line uh, in favor of Cleveland. In some of it was Savali because he's been good. A lot of it was Castillo. The, the, the velocity was there. We saw 97 and we saw 98 today. Uh, and it could have been more. I don't know. Those are the numbers I saw. But again, you, you have that stuff as far as velocity, but that doesn't mean it's really that hard when you're struggling mentally like this. So his strikeouts are way down. There's no confidence with the stuff in the strike zone. There's no arrogance behind the finished product of what he's doing. So my velocity is there, but it's not there, guys. It's, it's, it just gets to the zone and hitters. They feel it. They sense it. They see it longer. There's all kinds of things. And so with the velocity there, the strikeout uh, way down, he just doesn't have 
there's something going on mentally. Again, I've been down that road and beaten. It mm-hmm. does not feel good, and today just showed it again. So a uh, majority of it was Castillo. When you combine, you know, his velocity and his numbers and how it's just it's not making sense. We've obviously seen the finished product of, of his stat lines. It's just not good. It takes time. It really does. And um, I said it before. I'll say it again. He's got to go back to the basics of pitching and trust that this process is going to take a month or two. It's not easy. It really isn't. And so, again, this will be a, a pretty easy coast to the finish line yeah, for Cleveland. 8-1, uh, bottom of the sixth inning. Sticking in the NL, one game we mentioned earlier on a quick early start for the Philadelphia Phillies, who looked like such a dumpster fire, one of the worst fielding teams you could you could possibly drop for Joe Girardi and, uh, and the Phillies to start the year. But they have found something. They sweep four straight against Milwaukee earlier this week, and now taking care of Atlanta, 3 nothing lead right now as we're playing in the top of the third. What a great start for Philadelphia, and all of a sudden they have they have found some life, Josh. What has gone into this Phillies team? Well, by the way, first five set at 4.5 on the total, a little juice at uh, minus 115, and the Phillies got a lot of support here but with Vince Velazquez in this particular spot. Was seeing it at... Uh, is this initially was Braves minus uh, 167 or so, kind of expecting the bounce back. But uh, looking at how things shifted, we did see some money. This dropped about 10 cents on the side of Philadelphia. And so far, those backers being uh, being being rewarded for their backing of this hot Philadelphia team. Now minus 400 on the in-game line. What was the opening line? This did overnight you, you know? was, this uh, was, I had it pulled up a moment ago, minus 167 on Ian Anderson, who has been solid really? to start the year. But the money did come and moved it about ten cents to the Philadelphia side as the, the Braves struggles uh, do do continue. Fifteen and seventeen, not what a lot of us expected no. out of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, minus eighteen run differential as well. They're five and five in the last ten, and that's the other thing too. So Philly's been hot. They won five straight coming into this. Bryce is getting on base, and when you see him getting on base uh, via walks or singles. It's it's weird. It's not really the home runs that lock him in in the team. It's all the other ways that he gets on base. He's been doing that as well. Um, Segura's up to 373. He's raking real mutual. He just hit a homer earlier today. Okay, so uh, a lot of these guys have been playing good. The other thing is, is Velasquez has been giving them um, some really good outings, kind of unexpected if you want to know the truth, because they use him all over the place, and the, the consistencies for him haven't always been there. But now he's dialed in, which is great for them. I'm shocked to see that line that much with where Philadelphia is at and how they've been playing. Um, I didn't expect it. Ian Anderson's been good, but the offense still isn't there. Acuna's down to 319, which is sad to say because he was a lot higher. Um, but he's been fantastic. But still, Freeman's only hitting 193, and Ozuna's 214, and the, the averages are way down. And, and so we're still not seeing the Braves team that we thought. I'm actually really surprised that that line was quite that high. And later on this Tough hour, we're, we're going to talk some futures. That is going to be one of the teams I want to throw at you, Josh, because we're seeing we're seeing some teams with big preseason expectations, yeah. struggle out of the gates, and them. odds <laughs> starting to slip a little bit. I mean, Atlanta, <laughs> eight and a half to one behind us at Circle. We're going to talk about that both in the AL uh, and the NL in, uh, in just a little bit. On the other side, though, Josh is a big UFC guy. You know, all those all these baseball players uh, love to dabble in the golf and the UFC. We're going to talk about that big fight as well in the boxing tonight. Big watch party going on behind us at Circus starting uh, shortly as we keep you posted on everything going on. A Saturday night of betting right here on Bet Center. We'll update you on all the rest of the games, but talk about some of the UFC plays. Anything yeah. Josh likes on the card on the other side right here on v the Sports Betting Network. 
Welcome back into Beeson Bet Center on a Saturday night in Las Vegas. It seems like every Saturday night, Josh, has now become fight night, basically. I'm okay with it's it. Not, I'm, I'm cool with it, too. Yeah. It's like nonstop. And today, tonight, we, it's, it's a multi-fight night because we have a big boxing match at the AT&T Stadium, Jerry World in Arlington, Texas, where Canelo Alvarez is a huge, huge favorite over uh, B.J. Saunders. you got to lay... 800 bucks if you want to win 100 on uh, Canelo tonight. And the round prop set at 10.5 over minus 160 plus 140 to the under. We'll get to UFC in a moment as well. Yeah. Uh, Josh, it seems hard to want to really bet anything outside of just watching this for entertainment with a line like this. Any reason to think BJ Saunders can keep things close tonight as a near $6 uh, underdog here, Josh? His mouth. <laughs> His mouth. He's been very good is at it. Really, that, that's a qualifier? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's tough with boxing. I mean, we rarely see real fights anymore. I can't wait for, you know, Fury to fight again, uh, him and Joshua. But Canelo's, you know, obviously, you know, he's way up here con- compared to most. And uh, Saunders is, is definitely a respectful fighter. But that line makes sense. They're, you know, we don't – I wish we saw a lot more competitive, you know, fighting. But they pick and choose these battles pretty well. Uh, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes. Without getting too deep in it, Saunders has been good at – uh, trying to play the mind games. We'll see if he can turn those mind games into actual uh, a victory, I guess, mm-hmm. over Canelo. And, and again, we know how good Canelo is. Um, the kind of no-show in press conferences and all the jabs back and forth and getting in Canelo's faces. They're fighters, so you have to do all this stuff. And they're trying to sell the fight to make money. I get it. Uh, Canelo's been a lot more open, I guess, recently in, in all his interviews he's given. Mm-hmm. And he, he more recently came out and talked a lot about a previous fight where his brother was kidnapped and he had to negotiate the deal prior to that in Mexico. And he's been very vocal about not liking what's going on in Mexico and not spending a lot of time there. He doesn't feel safe and all this other stuff. I'm kind of surprised given the level of fame and who he is that he's open about coming out with this stuff. So he must have somewhere else outside of Mexico that he can spend a lot of his time. Uh, Cause you just, it's different. It's different that country when it comes right. to, to stuff like that. And so for him to be vocal really shocked me. So I don't know if we're seeing a different side of Canelo. I don't know if we've seen a more vulnerable side of Canelo. I don't know what's going on. Um, but in the ring, he's still very good and very aggressive, but I don't know if that means that, you know, again, he's vulnerable now in the ring compared. Yeah, I don't know if that line's fair. I don't know if Saunders, can take advantage of it, or Canelo is just going to use all of this as, you know, motivation to destroy him. I mean, it, it there's a lot into this, and it's not just fighting this time around. That's one of those two where if, if you think if you think Canelo wins by knockout, about even money. Mm-hmm. If it's by decision, that's plus 120. Again, the the over on the 10 and a half rounds out of 12, uh, minus 160. So that kind of explains. Over minus 160. Yeah, explains things there. Uh, there is also a yeah. UFC card tonight. We have UFC 262 is a week from tonight. Let, again, like I mentioned fight night every Saturday, basically, <laughs> at this point. Uh, any, I know there were some things you were looking at that have already completed, uh, Josh, and you were kind of ruining your missed opportunities there for betting. Anything you're looking at that has not uh, started yet in the UFC, or are you just kind of waiting, looking forward to 262 next Saturday? Yeah, 262, obviously very excited about. This card, uh, not too deep as far as the names that you know we come to love and know, except for Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, he's fighting. Moreno took this fight late who Cowboy was supposed to fight, Diego Sanchez, all kinds of, I don't know what's going on with him, but he basically got fired last week or whatever it was. He he was saying some stuff about the UFC that's on a whole other level. Um, and Cerrone and him had been teammates and stuff in the past, so 
uh, yeah, that that was a whole. I, I don't know how that's going to affect Donald. He seems to not really care. He just likes to show up and fight every. Germany's gotten a lot of money here. I would assume just months. because of name value, up to minus two hundred on the name, East Coast. Name value uh, and Alex Moreno took the fight on such short notice. That's basically it. I mean, as far as. Is Donald Cerrone just go in there and roll Moreno? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, we really haven't seen that much from Cerrone lately that suggests he's uh, just, you know, beating everybody. So I, I really don't know what to expect from him. You know, there's rumors that this could be his last fight as well. And if it is, then maybe, you know, he shows up and wants to go out on a high note. Uh, he thanked Moreno for taking the fight because you don't have to do that. So Moreno's ready for the fight regardless. What's kind of cool, I think it'll still be a really good fight. I do think that the 200 is name value and last second exchange. Um and past that, I mean, you know, Magny's fighting Neil. Neil should be the favorite. Uh, you know, Magny from two years ago, I'd have been all over that with him. Um, and then there is another one with Green and DeLima, heavyweight bout. We do like the under one and a half. Okay. See what happens that's, that's just getting started. Fight night as always, seems like. Absolutely. Josh, talk MLB, but you like the UFC, the boxing. It's always good to get your thoughts on that yeah. as well. Uh, we're going to come back, get back to the baseball, talk some futures now that we've had about a month plus of data to all breakdowns. We're going to talk about that with Josh on the other side. Our last half hour of Vison Bet Center continuing right after this. Any of our show today or any of the VEASAN broadcast, be sure to check out our free VEASAN podcast. You can catch up on Follow the Money with Mitch and Pauly, a numbers game, or the Lombardi line on the daily VEASAN Best Bets podcast. Also check in with Gail Alexander's Beating the Book pod, Josh Applebaum's Market Insights. Get PGA Tour betting previews on long shots, the Ron Flatter Racing pod, and the NBA scoop with JVT on Hardwood Handicappers. Wherever you're betting, we have a pod for it. Find them all for free at VEASAN.com slash podcast that's vison.com slash podcast yeah we've got a pod for everything you are betting is we're back final couple segments josh towers he's you know trying to get some bets in here we're you're, doing all kinds of stuff we've got a lot of baseball he's got a good jacket on. though so you've been complimented many times by many passers-by here at our circus sports uh studio so you got that going for I you do. i do i know I, i'm not lying i didn't even pick it out i'm a big fan of the jacket but uh um, the wife tell you go no go no, the, no? The, my buddy ricky who worked at the All store right. he was a huge fan of this and he's like trust me on this shout out ricky shout out ricky and yeah. uh he was right we're gonna say go. we never doubted him that. when it look comes at to that, that. It's good it's a good uh, outfit to be wearing on a, on a saturday night here in downtown Vegas. almost got more but you got two of the five back at the astro game i got two, two of the five we back. Get some two out hits for them we'd be in it it's it's one of I'd almost rather it just be like a shutout through five just to not even tempt. No 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 you're gonna get some, the bullpens aren't even in play yet let's go. I play if you miss it I played Astros first five minus one fifty the only uh, only thing I played tonight and it did not go well uh, Christian Javier giving up five he's still in the game five runs through four innings but Stephen Matz we've started to see him leak some oil finally escaped the jam in the third <laughs> gives up a two run homer. Jordan Alvarez in the fourth and then had to work out of another jam after that. So 5-2 in the top of the fifth right now. Blue Jays, though, who were the underdog in this spot. It was Houston about minus 143 on the actual closing line for the full game. 
with the take back plus 132 to 134, depending on the book for Stephen Matz and Toronto. Total of nine, you're, you're well on pace to getting that over. As you can see what the in-game total is uh, right now, I'm seeing 11.5 here on the West Coast, 12 on the East Coast with the overjuiced wow. to that uh, 11.5. Blue Jays minus 450. If you think this bullpen implosion or the Matz implosion is coming, you can get the Astros. That's a plus 340. We've seen it happen. We have. And at the, least by once the way, the Blue week, Jays, right? they, had, they used almost everybody in the pen last night in a 10-4 bloodbath. Yeah. So they, they are really relying on Matz to go deep. And these last two innings have not inspired a lot of confidence. So had I not gone in on this game pregame and, and the Astros barely used, only used two pitchers last night, I might actually say, you know what? At plus two and a half, plus 105, that's actually not a bad uh, bet for them to get a run closer. And you've got uh, five innings to do the so. Bad, bad news is Matt's is only at 64 pitches. Um, is that bad for him? or <laughs> Well, for you, if you want to jump into the bullpen. With that said, it is to four innings. I so. actually, the longer uh, Matt's is in, I actually would I would well, actually prefer him to stay longer with all because the, they need him to. With, with the all the, the base runners, the last two innings, that, that's a very good sign for you as well. So, I, I mean, listen, I like your chances. I'm just going uh, to run, run out of time in the first five, I think. But for full game, I would not give up on this. Oh, if that's you're right, your Houston first bet. five. I keep thinking game. Come on, Josh. I apologize. Come on, man. It's all right. Don't the two worry. out hits would have been huge then because you had back-to-back innings with those two out hits would have yeah. been nice. Uh, would have been nice. You know what I wanted to tell you? And we talked about this, I believe it was last week, probably the week before. Uh, remember we are talking about Jeff McNeil in the Mets? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's struggling, but he's a very good hitter. And uh, he's hitting six. No, he's hitting fourth. No, he's hitting fifth. They really had no idea where he was hitting. They took him out of that one hole where he had all of his success so far really in the big leagues. And I know Nimmo has been doing well. Um, but they start putting him in, in, in spots where, like, am I supposed to hit home runs? I'm supposed to drive in runs? And and no one for the Mets hits home runs, by the way. Uh, they only had three dudes coming in today with double digit RBIs with 10, 10, and 17. And, and uh, one guy had five home runs. The rest had two. They don't steal. So they're not – the Mets, not only are they not hitting home runs to, to drive in runs, they're not stealing bases, moving guys over. They're not creating runs anywhere else. Uh, it's tonight, basically. Well, you and I just, well, that's my point about all this is, is we spoke about this and the whole Jeff McNeil factor and how good he is. And all of a sudden, like you take him out of a spot that not only was he fantastic, but Pete Alonso benefited tremendously hitting behind him. Uh, when Jeff was raking, well, after you and I talk about it, they did put him back in the one hole for most of the last, what week or so. And guess who's all of a sudden raking again, Jeff McNeil, you put him in a spot where he's very comfortable and the team's kind of following and he does have that two-run homer again today. Um, you got to start mixing these things up. And, again, if the Mets are going to think they're a home-run hitting team, which they are not, but they're not going to steal, they're not going to do all kinds of stuff, you got to put guys back in comfortable spots. I think this is fantastic, putting Jeff back up there. Um, I mean, let's give him some more suggestions. Put Pete Alonso second and put Lindor third. Sure. And speaking of not running, we finally saw that as well tonight. As part of that three-run third inning, you had the two-run homer by Jeff McNeil in a spot yeah. where Mets were interesting spot because they were favored pretty, pretty solidly minus 145 against Merrill Kelly and the struggling D-backs. But despite it being a, basically a bullpen game, had to use Tommy Hunter opener in in uh, in the spot goes two clean innings for Hunter and the Mets. Uh, but kind of surprising to see it that high given all the struggles. Of course, last night seemed like Lindor finally broke out of it with his big clutch home run in a Mets come from behind win there. Here he steals second and then earns a, a throwing error from Carson Kelly, actually scores from second, basically all the way from first on a stolen base. So a three-run third inning for the Mets. They are into the fifth right now, and the Mets now a huge favorite here 
if you if you wanted to get in on this, the total six and a half, little juice to the over at minus one forty five. Uh, but the Mets now laying three and a half runs at uh, at even money. So, so yeah, you might you might be onto something though, Josh. Well, I, I agree with you. Last Saturday, uh, he was hitting one eighty six when we were talking about this. They put him into the leadoff spot the very next day, and he gets four hits. So then the next day they keep him in the leadoff spot, and he tacks on another hit. And then we had a canceled game, um, and then they put him back into the five hole after that, and he goes over. Right, so I'm just seeing all of this now, but now he's up to 233. They put him back in the leadoff spot after the over. He gets another hit and scores another run. Uh, so clearly, the leadoff spot is where he's comfortable. He goes back to the leadoff roll the next day and he gets another hit. Um, again, it's not it, it it's not rocket science. It's not always all that easy, but. Every game that he's in since last week, he's raised his average over 50 points. Uh, he got four hits. He's got a hit every time that I've seen so far up until today. Got another hit. I mean, the, the guy likes the leadoff spot. He's a great hitter. He sparks something. He creates something, and it relaxes the, lex- the rest of the team. So, uh, I don't know, man. Even when Nimmo's back and playing full, you have plenty of options, but clearly Jeff needs to be in that spot. And these are a lot of the little things that you will catch up on on a day-to-day basis, Josh. That's why, from a baseball betting perspective, you got to be in tune with things like this. And clearly, where they're at right now, it's, it's a good spot. Lindor seems to be turning the corner. I'll also note, an offense that was horrible, at least over the past week, they're now seventh. They're at least not terrible. Seventh out of the 15 NL teams as far as uh, OPS so far. So they're starting to hit with a little more power. We'll see if they are turning the corner. It's a good way to transition into our final segment where we talk some futures because the Mets, they are an interesting case to be had. We'll talk about that next in our final segment right here on VEASAN Bet Center. Looking to hire, Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back. It's our final segment of the show, VSIN Bet Center on a Saturday night. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Back with Josh Towers. I'm Ben Wilson. We've been following all the MLB, NBA updates, PGA, UFC, boxing. But Josh, we'll take a second here just to step back and look at some of the futures numbers we have on the board right now. You and uh, Jeff Parles, Greg Peterson, will talk about this a little bit more at length tomorrow, but we look at it now, we're a little over a month in the year, so into the season, so it feels like a pretty good time to take a look at some of our sample size data we have so far and see how the numbers are stacking up now versus where they were at a month ago. I guess we'll start off, bottom line for you, have you seen anything that would basically dissuade you from thinking the Dodgers in the NL and the Yankees in the AL are not the rightful favorites to come out of their respective leagues, even though we've seen each team have their their bounce of uh, struggle so far in this first basically you know month plus of the year um it's tough like no usually the dodgers i I wouldn't even question it but then all of a sudden again they 
they go what four and twelve or four and whatever they win, and they've mm-hmm. lost four in a row again now. And and I know they're sitting at third. That's not a big deal. They're, but they're they're one game above five hundred, and I think they were fourteen and four or twelve and four, something like that. It was, it was a great start for them. Um, and now they're seventeen and sixteen, and they're one game. They're two and eight in their last twelve. And and why? Uh, I, I'm not you know plus thirty run differential. I know it's not the the biggest most who cares stats in the world, but there's good things going, so then I go and look at their depth chart. The pitching depth chart is still pretty good. They have options there, and the pen's nice. The starters have been nice. They got David Price sitting in the pen. They're still good there. It's the offense that I noticed that when everybody got hurt or missed time, now Bellinger's still coming back, mm-hmm. so we still have him. It's going to take him a little time to get in the rhythm when he comes back. But past that, where they used to have all of that depth, the, the Jock Petersons and the uh, the Kikes and, and, and the guys like that, they don't have that now. They have everybody that I've noticed coming off the bench when, when they needed to fill in uh, hadn't done a job at all, and they haven't struck fear in anybody. This Dodgers had a loaded lineup to match the pitching before, and I'm not seeing that now. So, like I talk about other teams, I talk about the Mets, about where's their depth if something goes bad. The Dodgers have showed that the depth isn't there when something goes bad. How much more money or trades can they make to go get players, and how many positions do they have to feel um, if they were to go do that? Because not too many, right? And so are they willing to go out and trade some prospects for depth for people who are starting somewhere that are probably going to be a fourth on, on their team, and are they willing to do that? So that's the only area where I get a little bit nervous with the Los Angeles Dodgers currently. Um, I still think that they're the best team in that division. I still think the Padres are the second best. The Padres are still working out some kinks. And again, like other teams, when you're not hitting home runs, what are you willing to do to complement your pitching that is keeping you in every game? You cannot not reward them by trying to manufacture a run when they're doing what they're doing. So uh, LA's offensive depth is the one thing that's making me nervous. Again, long-term 162-game season, the pitching will keep them in games and will still be the backbone to most of these teams. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I still have faith in them, but I do, you know, still very intrigued by the Padres. You got to like the Yankees turnaround on what they did, 73 in the last 10, blah, blah, blah. They were awful to start. They can't hit a lick. They had to start separating some of these guys. You can't give me free outs. Stanton's hitting a little bit better, which is nice. They just got to put the ball in play. Now they're getting rewarded by Corey Kluber right now and some other people. Um but that whole division still has a whole bunch of inconsistencies for me, and the Yankees are one. So coming into the season as high as I was on them, I don't have that same amount of faith right now, but I also don't have the faith in Tampa. But Tampa does have that pitching that keeps them in games, and outside of what we saw defensively, we don't see that too much, those kind of glitches that give up runs. So um, Boston's having a great start. Can they keep it up? I'm not 100. I, don't, I still don't think Toronto's ready yet, although – Close in Baltimore is a no. So um, I'm not as high on the Yankees as I was coming into the season. So Tampa at this point would be the only other team, but I'm not in love with their offense either. And that's a team right now. They've actually fallen back a little bit, at least in Las Vegas at 10 and a half to one, a little shorter. As you look on the East Coast, we've been flashing some of those numbers up. If you're watching with us at vison.com, and I, I bring that up first, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's where you have to, to have the starting point from, Josh, and that's because. Well, if, if you have a lot of conviction in those two teams at the top, it doesn't make sense really to, to try and talk yourself into value if you don't really believe yeah. in some of those teams further down the board. 
Having said that, I think we each have doubts about these teams at the top. And while it is tempting to just want to go chalk, I do see scenarios where we do not see the Dodgers and Yankees make the World Series. What kind of comes from that and what is interesting, I think, to look at here is that we've got a number of teams who had high expectations, who could have we, we all felt like could have potentially broken through that glass ceiling this year. We're off to slow starts, and there are some who might give us additional value that maybe you wouldn't have gotten. Maybe they were too short coming in. These are the overall World Series odds as of right now. Uh, one that I want to throw at you, one that is a sixth on the list here, at least for World Series odds, the Braves at 15-1. to 1. At Circa, they're 8.5-1 to 1 to win the NL right now. And a team that has it's just been a bizarre uh, start to the year, really, for, for Atlanta and trailing right now against the Phillies. Do they fit the mold at all to you of a team that with all the talent they have, they've been kind of banged up. It's, it's weird. They're in an odd division where nobody's really separated themselves. At 15 and 17, with how early we are, do you think from them falling back, because they were earlier when as, as we kicked off the season, the Braves were in a spot where they were 5-1 to one in the East Coast. Is that enough value for you to say, look, this is a team with so much talent. They're basically 500 despite a lot of inconsistencies and injuries. I would still like them, or do you want to see more out of a team like in Atlanta that's fallen down a little bit before you, you necessarily jump in on them? Yeah, it, it, again, another team that it's tough for me to jump in right now because of how they're playing, and I have to factor in the entire season once again, and and their roster and their players and, and what that division has done to us in the past. That division should continuously be good all year. Everybody's going to be competitive. You can make a case for each team, I believe, in that division. Uh, and still right now separated by only three games. Atlanta's offense has been bad. I do feel like the offense will get better. There's too many um, good players, established players on that team. The pitching staff is where I start to get a little bit nervous. I mean, you got to like what Anoa has been doing and Anderson. Uh, Morton's a nice veteran presence. Um, but if you were relying on Freed after what he did last year, that's a hard one to duplicate, right? So Freed's um, struggling pretty bad right now. Newcomb, you don't even know where he's at. Smiley's a guy that you're relying on. Bryce Wilson's not it. The pitching staff is the biggest issue right now for me, and I don't see enough depth. And you lose Melanson and some other people. They did prove that they'll go out and get that stuff last year, but do they have enough uh, depth with prospects to go out and do it again and again, right? So I think that they need to really, really focus on that pitching staff. The offense, again, I think will come around, but the pitching staff is making me nervous. Uh, the the bullpen is making me nervous, and I, I want them to go get more before I can, you know, load up on them again. I, I This is going to be close and fun. I do still think Atlanta holds the card as the favorite but I don't think it's as clear-cut as it was to start the season. And, and they're actually, I mean, they've fallen behind the Mets as far as that division, a little greater than 2-1 to one right now. I just bring them up because that's a team where you think about Atlanta, the first thing you think of is the pitching and the strength. And when they're at 100%, how good they can be. And they're 12th in the NL on near 5 ERA as a staff right now. It's, so yeah, to me, that, that screams, you're, that's not going to be the case all season. This is a team that is too good. Max Fried looks like, solid in his return. People, though, okay, yeah. so you, you still want to see I more. I really do, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm high on Max Fried to begin with, and it was a rough He's start nice. to the year. Hamstring injury mm-hmm. sent him on the IL, so I think we, you know, I, I think we're going to get. What, what was he eventual... last year? Seven and zero. It was a very good uh... something like that, right? That's a hard one to duplicate too, if he was trying to, or right. if he just pushes it away. Yeah, to fantastic that... 2020. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I'm just to just to jump in here. I'm looking at my this Toronto Astro game, which is Talk still. 
five. It's five three now. Stephen Matt's struggles what? continues. Bottom of the fifth. So my first five bet somehow not dead. You've got the tying run in that spot at first. Jordan Alvarez two out uh, base hit. I, I they sh- they have to pull Matt's here. He's looked horrible for the last three so innings. It's five three with two Toronto outs right now. Second Guriel's up. Yeah. No, don't pull him. I told you, there's too many base runners the last I, two innings, right. and he's starting to see. Freed, by the way, seven and zero last year. Seven and zero. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Great, and, and that's a tough one to duplicate as well. So, it, was he veteran enough to just use some of that stuff as building blocks, or is he going out there and trying to duplicate it? Did they pull the old "Here's the key to the city. You're our guy," and he was uncomfortable with it? Um, Great pitcher, but the 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 mental side of all the things that come around this game, and it makes it hard. And and it, did he put pressure on himself? Because it's clearly not the same start, but it's an unrealistic start. It's a dreamable start. Um, so they they do have. I just again, you lost some key pieces in the pen, and I want to see right. those. Re, you know, I want to see them brought back. Yeah, we're just tipping the tipping the surface of uh, scratching the surface of of this discussion. You're going to yeah, talk about sure. this more on uh, on Sunday. Well, you know, wanted to show with, it's a good, with a good old-fashioned sweat here because that's what you know. We that's why we say we send us your bets. We can sweat along with you. That's the one I'm sweating right now. We were talking about this earlier. It's like a co-sweat for us, Josh, because like you were like this. a co. It's my money, so but you were you were a co-signer like on it. Live pitch somewhere. Uh, five five three right now. Toronto on the Astros. Oh, Mats is still come in. Two zero in the bottom of the fifth, and Yuli Gurriel grounds out. So oh, the you. sweat on a 2-0 pitch and Matt's. Uh, Don't watch this look, game. I would, you know, the, what I said earlier, I think holds true. I think I said, what, Astros plus three and a half, uh, even money for the game. I would have liked that bet. If I was not already uh, committed, so to speak, to this game pregame. And that's where I think another example of where a lot of people say, you know what, the best way to bet these games, wait for it to play out, go in game. Because uh, watching this screams, come back at least a partial comeback for Houston enough to, to want to play. That's why I don't want you to watch the rest of the game because Houston will probably come back and win this. Oh, they're, def- you, oh, they're definitely winning. Did you know Carlos Rodon was 5-0 with a .58 ERA? I, I did. We didn't talk about it today, but you can talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't know he had By the way, Astros plus 270 on the live line. They're, Get them. They're 100. Get them. You know what? You should make that bet just so that one of us. I can't do in-game. One of what I got. They're absolutely winning. Josh, uh, always a pleasure <laughs> with you, man. As always, enjoy Mother's Day tomorrow with yes, Jeff Charles, Greg Peterson. Thanks Very important day. JJ Leonard, our producer, as well, behind the glass. This has been yet another edition of Vison Bets, and have a great rest of your Saturday night on the Betting Wise Cycle. Good luck.